Welcome back to Trade Talk, everyone. L.A. Aiko here. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about a twofold, um, a twofold subject. One is um, a case study, and the other one is a hypothesis. Uh, what we're going to be looking at today is something that has been making the news mill like crazy, and that's Hertz, uh, the rental car company Hertz. It's not about investing in Hertz, but but using Hertz as a case study as to how to invest in future and how to look at markets currently. Uh, as of today, markets drops, uh, Dow dropped 600 points. Uh, previous trading session dropped another three to yeah, anywhere from three to 400 points. Uh, this is on June uh, June 15th, 2020, for the 600 points. And what I want to get into is let me first tell you about Hertz and then give you my hypothesis on what is to come in the uh, in the economy. First things first is that Hertz has been around for a really long time and you know it goes back to even in the 80s and where other rental car companies understood they were number two because Hertz was so big and so dominant. And when it was originally created, monopolized the airport rental car business. But as these companies grow and things change over time, we came to a point in the early 2000s where Hertz was taken from a publicly traded company into a private company by a leveraged buyout so the private equity firm could raise its value and then sell it. For instance, you buy it for $3 billion, you buy it with all debt, which isn't your money. This is how the private equity company bought it. And then they turn that all debt, um, increase the revenues, make an acquisition to make the company bigger, and sell the company for $5 billion, paying off all loans and pocketing the rest. So the trajectory of Hertz was private equity firm comes in, takes over Hertz, makes it private, purchases Dollar Thrifty. If anyone remembers that um, rental car company, that's where it went. It was purchased by Hertz, then tries to get the employees of Hertz to move from New Jersey down to Florida to run the business from Dollar Thrifty's hub. And the company just never works out. Carl Icahn comes on as an activist investor uh, to kind of steer the company into the direction that he thinks is best. Year after year, they can't get anything to work properly, and the debt keeps increasing. The debt keeps increasing so much to a point that Hertz has to now look for other ways to raise capital. They get to a point of needing to raise capital, and they, they figure, oh, we can use asset-backed securities, also known as ABS. ABSs were used in the um, the Great Depression, or Great Depression, Great Recession um, in 2008, where the assets were mortgages, or homes rather, and they were the assets um, backing the securities. In this case, Hertz decided to use its fleet of cars, which, mind you, at this time were rapidly aging, to be the collateral 
in these asset-backed securities to get to, uh, to raise money for uh, you know to raise bond money, asset-backed securities or bonds. Hertz does this and says that for each automobile that they have in fleet, they will leverage fifty percent of that automobile's value. They figured if we're not leveraging a hundred percent. We won't run into a particular problem where this car loses value, enough value for our investment to then have to be paid back. They tell bondholders, if this falls under 50%, we will make up the difference for you in this 50% loss that you have to take. It's almost like a blood oath, you know? So they take the oath. Things are running well. 2019 is going great. Almost all companies have a very profitable fourth quarter 2019, which is something Trump really pushed for. And in enters COVID-19. Global travel slows down. Everything just starts to grind to a halt. Oil prices get cheaper. No one's renting. No one's traveling. And as no one is renting and traveling and economy shut down, no one is buying used cars and used cars now lose their value. And the mark to market on these bonds drops. It drops so far that it drops below 50 percent. And why is because used cars are selling for deep discounts and those used cars set the price for what the fleet is levered at. Or collateralize that. Either way, it's leverage. So immediately it triggers a $500 million bond payment for Hertz. $500 million, which they don't have as the business is closed, as all businesses are closed during this time. Straw that broke the camel's back. So Hertz files for bankruptcy. And now we get introduced to what the true lunacy is of what is going on in our economy and how it is going to devastate us at a later time and it is most especially going to eviscerate the low-level investor, the 401k investor, the mom and pop. You see, Hertz got into this particular issue because it was very easy for them to borrow. Post-2000, post-September 11th, 2001, the Fed reduced interest rates. Everyone knows the story. It um, pushed house buying, made looser lending restrictions. Well, institutions made looser lending restrictions because there was so much money flowing and they wanted to grow. And how institutions grow is from an aspect of issuing more debt, which allows people to expand because they're going to spend more. Hence, hurts. But as this causes this issue, you reach the point of what I'm speaking about where it's the dangerous part of leverage, especially over leverage, and the inflated values of assets. These cars were inflated values because the whole market, the stock market itself, the whole economy, had been inflated. So now the valuation that you're using to 
borrow against these cars is a is a valuation that's unsustainable. Unsustainable, excuse me. The second part of what we're talking about here in this is my actual hypothesis. And my hypothesis is this. Willingness to accept higher prices is the fulcrum to what will devalue the market. My hypothesis says that constant pushing up of prices by over-liquidity in markets is going to cause an issue in which corporations are going to more aggressively borrow. Already we're in a we're in a situation just because the supply chain is all messed up for food where meat has hit inflationary prices and we are accepting them. I'm not saying that we're going to fight against them and boycott them but we're accepting them. We keep buying meat, right? The stock market is overly inflated values. And people keep chasing it. And that overly inflated value I'm talking about goes right back to Hertz and the fact that the company filed for bankruptcy. 60 cents a share is what they were trading at. Five cent, uh, uh, five dollars uh, a bond is what the bonds were trading at, pretty much worthless. Yet the stock rallied from 60 cents to five dollars. Not only because of that excess liquidity, but because the common investor who has now received excess liquidity from the government in, in form of stimulus is saying, you know what? I know Hertz isn't going anywhere. Let me go gamble at that. Now, I know I'm one to say this because I have a position in, J, in JCPenney, but at least in JCPenney, they have suitors to buy the company. In the case of Hertz, they're trying to piece off the fleet to pay back creditors. They're trying to issue another billion dollars worth of common stock to wipe out the current common stock and pay off creditors. Average people are getting wiped out in this because they don't know any better. And they're going to lose their money. And this is all backed by willingness to accept higher prices. Now, does that mean that I'm going to now shy away from higher prices? No. The market's running up. I have to participate in the market. It's being forced that way. The liquidity is being pushed into it. But where the foolishness lies is that can you decipher what is actually happening? And that's what this podcast really is trying to explain to you. It gives you the history of Hertz. It gives you what happened and it gives you how people are reactionary to it, similar to when it was home buying, that no matter how prices were going up, I have clients who said, yeah, man, I tried to buy a house and I had three other people bidding against me. I came there in the morning to put my deposit on the house and there were three other people there to put a deposit on the same house and bid the price up. Very, very common when there's that excess liquidity and everyone is trying to put that liquidity to use. Assets become bubbles. So you see that you become comfortable with the stock market's price. And the only way you know people are comfortable is because, for goodness sake, last week we were 15% off of all-time highs with, with over 30 million unemployed and people with no money in their pocket except for unemployment. That's crazy. With jobs never to return again. There's a lot of jobs that will not return again, but somehow... The economy keeps running. 
we spoke about this in TALF with the global reserve, the global reserve currency game theory. And it is a matter of people think, it's not as simple as, excuse me, people thinking that because the US dollar gets overprinted, the dollar just immediately devalues. It's the universal base currency. The reserve currency, not base currency. When you think China is like rubbing its hands together, like, yes, their, their currency is devaluing. Oh, yeah, we, we'll call in all those treasuries. China is saying we need to make our currency cheaper. Yes, they care about the U.S.'s currency, but what they care about even more is who manufactures in China. Hence the fight of make America great again. They want to manufacture here, but China consistently chooses to keep its currency low by devaluing it so that its manufacturing and labor is extremely cheap and you don't have a choice but to come there. That is why when everyone is talking about the global supply chain, oh, how did China get so dominant? That's why. The labor's cheap. And it's not changing anytime soon. Everyone knows where their bread is buttered, just like we know they know. If you're going to be dominant to the other party, it's going to be in a different way. But it's not going to be based off of the currencies, at least not yet. Not until over overprinting happens and overprinting can actually happen. Right now, we can see within the economy that one trillion, two trillion economy sucked it up like it was nothing. Didn't mind. But it's going to reach a point because there's still not enough jobs. There's still not enough stimulation in the economy. Hence why. Nancy Pelosi and other people in Congress are looking to issue a second round of stimulus, and it will happen. Anywhere from $2,000 a month, another $1,200 stimulus check, or $10,000 a month for families. Because they need it to work. There are so many problems in the air that they're trying to juggle at the same time. And people... Not spending is a big issue to the Trump administration because they want the economy to consistently grow, hence a V-shaped recovery. Though we are not getting one as we are getting drastic pullbacks that are giving concern to people, it doesn't mean that this asset bubbles that we're getting aren't something that you have to also participate in. You want to grow your money really quick when they're when they're putting a lot of liquidity into the market by stocks. That's why any Joe Schmo could buy Hertz and it turns around for them because money is not in short supply. People have unemployment. They have their stimulus. They have extra money. So they're going to try their hand at a 60 cent stock that they think will be around forever, even though it won't. It starts to get people sloppy and they're going to become sloppy with the money and they're going to become sloppy with the restrictions. It's going to happen. Hertz is warning people. Chapter 11s are often a restructure to where you where the common stocks make nothing unless you really understand what's going on. Yet people are buying it. It is a mirror of what is to come in three years. 
Treasury Secretary Munchen has said at minimum rates will be at zero until 2022. So let's say hypothetically Trump wins this re-election. They're going to continue to pump the economy, continue to pump it up so that it keeps growing so we make new all-time highs. The market will not allow them to start increasing interest rates in 2022 because if you know anything about 08, when they were trying to increase rates, no one was with it. If you know anything about 2019, when they were trying to increase rates, the, economy, the, the, the market was not with it. No one liked it. So 2022, probably not happening. Even our oil consumption is not going to be where it needs to be by 2022. Sorry, our, our oil production and... Um, no, please pardon me. Our oil consumption, our production is not where we have an issue. It's our consumption. It's not going to be there by 2022, maybe by 2023. Yes. So you come into 2023. There's going to be a changing of the guard. Election year's coming very soon. We're going to, it doesn't need to be COVID. It can just be the fact that there's a regime change. There's a party change and all these balls that are being juggled in the air from Municipalities requesting more money, 500 billion, uh, f- what is it, 500 billion on their end to, to go to all state municipalities so that they can take care of their budget shortfalls. You have the shale industry asking for money. You have retail asking for money. You have um, landlords asking for money, commercial real estate asking for money. Not all frivolous ass. These are people who are drastically being affected by this. And you're pumping all this liquidity into the market to say, all right, we can make it work. We will make it work at all costs. I'm not a black swan kind of person to say and think that, you know, oh, it's hell in a handbasket. The problem is, is that it's not sustainable. And yeah, they could probably print another trillion. But you can't keep printing forever. You will run into a Venezuela effect where you seriously debase your currency. And as said in the in the TALF episode, the world is getting smarter, getting smarter to this whole thing, too. And they're devaluing their currency at the same time. We're going to run into a disaster. But until we run into that disaster... Yeah, you're going to make a lot of money in stocks. That's why they're running up. Yeah, you're going to have a lot of stupid investors. Just like how, in a way, you could have a stripper that had three homes, but she works one job and has an adjustable rate mortgage. There's forms of this adjustable rate mortgage in complex financial in- instruments within this acceptance of higher prices. They will get devalued because of the overprinting. It's going to happen in some way or another. I cannot say which way because then that would be able to predict the next recession. But it's out there. So be very cautious when you're buying heavy in the stock market 
right now. Yeah, you've got time. You've got about two years. You've got some corrections that'll bounce, that'll pull prices back because they're overvalued. But if you lose track and you lose sight of understanding as we get into year three in 2022, 20, I'm sorry, in 2023, late 2022, you could experience what people experienced in 2008 and 2009 all over again. I am sure they're going to wrestle with everything that they can to not allow this to happen like they did during COVID and buying triple Bs. But even that, is ludicrous in itself. You're now artificially inflating prices of stuff that does not have the quality it's supposed to have because you're because the Fed is willing to seize the bond market. Be very careful out here. This is LA Echo, with another episode of Trade Talk. I thank you for tuning in. Take care.